Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Grace Potter's new album, Mother Road, finds her road tripping down Highway 66, interacting with ghosts, creating alter egos. She brings up Lady Vagabond during the course of this interview, who appears as a character in a song on the new album. Grace Potter is a freaking tornado, you guys. She always has been. I've always been in awe of her as a performer, as a, an artist, as just a human being. It's a lot. Just to be around her, you think, like, how does one person have this much energy, have this much gusto? I think, I think in the course of the interview, I call it joie de vivre. She's got it in spades. You know, and of course, she deals with the, um, the dark interior stuff that we all have hiding lurking, trying to thwart our plans from within. And she's done a good job of dealing with it, wrestling with it. She um, brings a lot of great wisdom to bear during the course of this conversation. And I'm so glad I got to talk to Grace Potter, you guys. I'm so glad I get to bring her wisdom, her quirky take on this crazy world to you guys. Thank you very much for tuning in week after week for these Wheels Off interviews. I know I get so much out of having these conversations that they must have value for y'all as you listen. Thanks for tuning in. And please welcome to Wheels Off, Grace Potter. Welcome to Wheels Off, Grace Potter. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? You rat. It's I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Um, for the edification of our listening public, where are you logging in from right now? I'm logging in from the the canyon of Topanga, Ooh. the legend of Topanga Canyon, California. God, I love Topanga Canyon. Is it beautiful today? It's gorgeous. I feel a little bit guilty at how gorgeous it is. Um, there is, you know, immense flooding and disastrous, catastrophic stuff going on on the East Coast, but we are now 
in recovery mode. And I, I'm just watching from a sunny coastal town here, uh, feeling a little guilty about it, actually. I give you permission to just not feel guilty today. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, congrats on the new record. Super exciting. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm very happy with it. Um, how do you handle the lag between a record being finished and out of your hands, but not yet in the public hands? Rhett, I love that you asked that question because that is something only a musician would ask. And I just, it's so, it's so real. Um, you know, a creative type is always going to love the most recent thing they did and be the most excited about it right when it happens. This has been a very long lag, um, not just because of the pandemic, but actually because I, wa I really wanted to make sure that uh, I thread the needle properly and made space in my life for this tour and for to really commit to this record and and share it with the world in as honest and and real a way as I possibly could. And there was just so much life happening. I'm sure uh, for many of us, the pandemic was quite a quite a insurmountable uh, experience. And um, there was a lot of ducks to put back in order afterwards. Um, I'm still working on it myself, but I feel like the the lag between when a record is completed and when an album comes out feels a little bit like torture. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Do you find yourself um, taking on new creative projects in the interim or are you too depleted? Oh, no, I'm I, I took on another creative project. I sort of invented one, um, but it was very much the doing of my own mind it, in in recording the album Mother Road. I was feeling like there was something else there, like it was maybe more of an original motion picture soundtrack or something, you know, um, because when I would close my eyes and sing these songs, and it, it still happens on stage uh, to this day, I'm seeing things. I'm feeling like there's a narrative here that goes deeper. So um, I plunged in with um, a couple of, of wonderful collaborators that I've worked with in the past, Catherine Fordham and Jesse Leonard at Ghost Dance Films. And um, we started exploring the different storylines and characters that were being summoned uh in in the recordings and so um we've we've created kind of a cinematic universe um along with a friend of mine darren nay he was a former guitar player for nikki bloom and the gramblers and we've created um a really amazing world that we i literally right before i jumped on this interview i got texts from from the gals they're the writing in uh in god where are they they're somewhere nearby. They're in the Hudson Valley um, and they Germantown. And they said, you know, we need a name for Sparks's boyfriend. What What's his backstory? You know, I would like make <laughs> different names. And and it's just um, it's what creative people do. I, I don't find myself creatively depleted as often as I find myself um, maybe just discouraged that that there's it feels like there's a tree falling in the woods every time I come up with an idea and I don't have an outlet for sharing it with the world. So I'm trying to open those floodgates back up again and, and find the best ways to to share those creative intentions and and urges with the world um, in a more direct way. Do you feel like that the hours, years that you've put into music and songwriting and performing, do you feel like that experience transfers to when you tackle other media other disciplines 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that you have that experience too, that there's these moments where what you learn in one field moves on. Media is, and in, in general, just mediums like paint or uh, yeah. recorded or dance or even like lighting a set or making miniature worlds and train model trains. And, you know, I was just at Legoland the other day. It's like there is so much for us creatively and our brains are stimulated by the game board of life in, in different ways. And I think that what is the most fascinating thing in in my experience as a human on Earth is is watching how somebody else can conjure a completely different creative approach to the same topic or the same idea um, through a different medium. And so I've, I've really tried to break down those rules of uh, saying like, well, I am just a singer songwriter or I, I just play live music. I, I, I never believed that to be true, but I've found that it's becoming easier and easier to, to slide into other places and feel like I'm, I'm finding a voice there. You know, it, it kind of grosses me out to talk about it, uh, truth be told. But the whole AI thing that's come up recently, right. um, it's come up a few times in these conversations I've had with people. And the, the the only the only angle I'm really interested in is, you know, what do we bring to the table that it can't do? Soul. 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 Yeah. I mean, listen, I also think that um, soul is, is a, a kind of an odd way of describing it but it really is that thing where um i'm a pretty unpredictable dude and i have like a very strange way of of approaching my the matters of the heart uh, or painful painful things and i always like to sort of trick the algorithm of the of life by doing things that feel like they would be out of the ordinary and i'm i'm sure if you've seen you know um, the way that AI tries to complete a sentence, it's always going to go for the most obvious end of the sentence. The result will feel comfortable. It will feel statistically accurate to the finish of the sentence. And um, so for me, uh, tricking tricking the robots, as I said a lot, I talk about, is basically doing the thing that for, for even myself feels a little uncomfortable or a little unnatural. Um, and this was long before AI even really came into the conversation. I've always uh, tried to do this in life um, because I've always been a bit of an oddball and I don't really know where or how AI came into the conversation. Maybe it's been there a lot longer than I realized. But um, when I'm completing a sentence, I, I tend to try to think about what wouldn't end a sentence and then go there with it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I love that. Do you remember when it was um, when you realized you were going to be what you are now? Did, did, was there an epiphany moment where you thought I'm going to be a musician or a songwriter or a performer, artist? Yeah, um, I, I knew I wanted to be a performer, and I think I didn't know in what capacity. Uh, I knew I didn't enjoy musical theater enough to pursue that in college. Um, I, I didn't like the songs. I liked songwriting. Um, but I didn't have a great instinct when it came to songwriting. I was always kind of copying other people and finding my voice through imitation. So I thought, no, definitely not songs and songwriting. Um, and that's when I got into screenwriting and and basically um, fiction 
uh, and an imagination that built itself. Like I like to build worlds, you know? And so uh, in high school, I was, I had a great voice and I knew I had that. So I was like, how can I take this voice and find a way to channel it into something that is going to functionally work for my life. It's going to make me some money, um, but also it's going to put me in the spotlight. You know, I've really loved the stage. And um, uh, so I actually started getting into production design. I wanted to be, a, I wanted to design sets. And I thought, I'll go design sets. This is like 15 year old me. I'm going to design sets. I'm going to get hired on as a contractor to design like backdrops for musicals and, and beautiful theater productions. But I'm going to be such a good singer. I'll be singing the whole time I'm installing and they'll hear how <laughs> good I am. And they'll ask me to be in the play. That was my super great idea of how people discover <laughs> me. It was like, I'll be such a good crafts person that, that I'll surprise them all, which is actually how Harrison Ford got cast in, uh, in star Wars. So I'm just saying there's, there's ways that these things can happen, but I think, um, about one, it was about a half a year into my first semester at college when, when I met Matt Burr, who I had been out playing, you know, in live in cafes and stuff by myself, solo, again, trying to sort of sneak my way in the back door, um, musically. Um, and I was trying out new songs. I was trying out some of my own original stuff and I was very shy about it, but I also really had the confidence to feel like I could do it, uh, enough that I would just play cover songs mostly with the occasional original in there. And, um, you know, one thing led to another and we were, we were trying to figure out a, a, a place to play. There was just nowhere on campus for kids to just sit down and try out new songs. Um, but this place called the Java Barn opened up, but only at two in the morning. So that's hence the name, the Nocturnals. We became the band, the Nocturnals because of that. So, uh, it was a pretty organic thing. It wasn't like this aha revelation of, oh my God, now I'm going to be a rock star. Um, it was pretty slow burn starting with set design. Um, did you wind up with a full, uh, degree, college degree? I did not at first, but then when I realized that they were, uh, getting a lot of students coming to take tours of St. Lawrence and saying, like, this is Grace Potter's school. I actually just reached out to the, the St. Lawrence and said, like, hey, can you give me a degree? Because um, like, I never finished. And so I got an honorary degree after mm -hmm. a few. I think it was in 2006 or 2007. Maybe it was a little later than that. But yeah, I, got, I did end up getting a degree there, which was great. How many how many semesters did you put in as an actual student? Four. Yeah, four. Oh, okay. four years so you know yeah i was a, i was a film major and um i had you know declared my major and i was i was very excited about it i really enjoyed uh going to school but i also knew um there's only so much that I, that the school was going to bring me that i wasn't already sort of bringing to life myself i i had taken a gap year as the as the brits call it the a gap year and I was so I was 19 when I started college and it was it was a good it was a good thing that I took that time to really figure out what I wanted and then to prove that actually I didn't know what I wanted. And so it made it a lot easier for me to just step away. Um, the time I've spent around you and watching you perform and listening to your, your, your music, you you very much exude the aura of someone who is self-possessed, self-confident, not racked by inner demons. But I know that everyone I've spoken to deals with 
negative inner voices, internally generated obstacles, stuff that we put in our in our own way. And I, I wonder for you, what have you figured out as solutions, as ways to get through those or o- over those? I mean, it's so interesting that you say it that way, this this internally generated obstacles. And that's such a such a beautiful way of, of putting it because um they they're there all the time. They're ever present and um especially during the pandemic when I think we were all in our own echo chambers. Uh, Also being a new mom, I was just full of shame and regret and guilt and fear. Um, I, you know, your brain gets totally rewired when, when you become a parent. And um, I was, I was ill prepared for just exactly how um, overpowering those voices can be. Um, And so Part of what what I ended up doing was in the same way that I internally was generating these obstacles, I internally generated a superhero named Lady Vagabond, who is the remover of obstacles. She's a quantum vigilante who can slide through time and space and remove obstacles, specifically like very tiny things like that negative voice in your head. Um, But also like a penny on a train track or, you know, these these things that can kind of help you eliminate the doom and gloom feelings of your life and and move through move through the world with confidence. Um, she is constantly breaking down dimensions and recreating them again with less and less obstacles. And um, it's much easier for me, I think, on an emotional and mental level to put that person outside of me and watch her do it than it is for her to live inside of me. Um, I've, I've always sort of struggled with taking credit for things. Um, you know, hence being in a, a rock band and crediting, you know, the band as songwriters. And, and, and even though I was writing songs myself, it's like, it's much easier to just be like, Oh, it's not me. It's, it's all of us together. And, you know, there, there, you know, it does take a village to do anything beautifully and to do anything well. So why not just put that, that hero, that superhero outside of myself and, and not claim it as my own, but to sort of separate myself from it. Um, I think that's also the beginning of schizophrenia though, too. So we just need to be careful. <laughs> you said Lady Vagabond? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. It's funny. Yeah. It, reminds, it reminds me of Julia Cameron, who's the author of The Artist's Way. Artist. Which I, yeah, I love it. it. She's she's incredible. I've gotten to interview her a couple of times now for this podcast. And she talks about her inner critic, whom she gave a full um, biography, voice, character description to. I forget his name. It's like Simon or Trent or some very British. Oh, my name. God. I, <laughs> what a shit I, name. <laughs> I would love to see her inner critic, Simon, battling Lady Vagabond. That's I, That sounds like a great <laughs> movie. Oh, my God. See, now this is now this is what me, Catherine, Jesse and Darren do all day. So this is uh, this joy that is um, project building or pro- project creation, internally generated negative voices and then internally generated superhero voices, all all finding their way together. I think that's really the cataclysmic joy of life, though, you know, it definitely provides the fuel for what you and I do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I wonder and, and, you know, you brought up being a parent. How old is the kiddo now? He's five. Yeah, Dude, that's amazing. I, I know he's. I can't believe we've made it. We made it to five. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So it it becomes more of sort of a a real life scenario when I ask you if you'd be willing to sort of um, distill some of this wisdom that you're sharing and imagine a 21 year old version of yourself in today's yes. in today's world though and yes. what what advice might you give this young version of you younger version oh god i mean i think i would actually give myself the advice to take more credit to to stand up for myself and to become my own advocate to have more agency um and to know and trust my own voice and my own intuition um sooner instead of because i wasn't really an overthinker I, I i've operated from my gut the whole time but it's only after the fact that i act on my gut that i tend to not really understand what magic was what alchemy was going on there like what was that thing and so it's easier for me to sort of send that credit elsewhere than to own it and say you know what that was actually something that was uh, an internally generated decision um that you made and good on you for doing that you know i i have sort of retroactive remorse sometimes that then turns into well i i it couldn't have come from within myself i've got to find someone else to share the blame with or the credit it's it's like an easier easier path to take but it's led to a lot of confusion in my life as far as just understanding uh, where where the line falls between a, a truly amazing achievement and truly like, you know, reaping the rewards or enjoying the fruits of my labor as opposed to um, feeling like the whole thing is just some kind of a magic trick and like I'm getting away with murder doing what I do for a living, you know? Do you think that there's some sort of a slippery slope from generosity, magnanimity to giving up too much of yourself? Yeah, yeah. And I also think that people are, you know, egotistical by nature. And um, there's always been this part of me that wants to be that wants to find my humility by not caring about that stuff. Um, and, I, I, you know, we we find uh in the giving in the generosity that we we have as creative types that there's this just endless well of offerings that come through us so it doesn't always feel balanced when you see the back end of it and you realize like what parts of yourself you gave away what parts of yourself you kept for yourself what parts of yourself you didn't even realize were wonderful um until later on as you get older and you see what really worked and what didn't what stuck with people what connected for people fans and and the industry at large and all that stuff is less important to me than seeing where it lands over time i feel like time is an interesting judge of things and as i've gotten older and i've looked at sort of the wheel of of life i'm like wow that's the song that really stuck with the world like what interesting you know and I, I i think that that has taught me to not be as precious with um with anything i create and and to to not hang on to things quite so much but maybe to be a little more careful with my copyright uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny it, come, it comes up a lot in this um the idea of like a long-term career versus a, a career with a spike you know um Sure. I, you and I both know a lot of people that had a hit in the 90s or had a hit sure. 15 years sure. ago. 
and and it seems like a giant gift at the moment, but it winds up being a bit of an albatross. Absolutely. Where do you where do you stand on this? I think it's wonderful when you can succeed at something, but I think that it can be, you know, um, hole in your stocking ultimately. There's a weight to everything and there's a give and a take to everything. And when you start with greatness, um, when you just arrive into the world with congratulations, you've done it, um, it really is such a misguided um it's a misguided landing pad to to arrive on. Say you you know you you accidentally land on a on a gold plated helicopter pad, um, you're gonna end up feeling really disappointed, you know. And I've always compare it to like flying Southwest versus flying you know Virgin. Is like I have had a better experience on Southwest flights than I have occasionally when I've spent all this money to go fly, you know, mint on JetBlue or whatever it is, because you kind of already know going in, you're armed to the teeth with your protection, with your, like your own just referential solar plexus spooling up of like, I'm going to have to be cool. Okay, because this is going to be weird. Like, you know, even riding on a Greyhound bus, which I actually really enjoy doing. Um, it's very much like you just kind of know what you're signing up for. Whereas um, to arrive with with a one hit wonder uh, experience, I think is is really setting yourself up for disaster unless you have seven more hits waiting in your belly. You know, yeah. that fire, you've got to have it and you've got to be ready for whatever the world is going to do with you, you know. And you you still feel hungry, I'm guessing, by the fire in the belly comment. I'm more hungry now than I ever was. And I think probably it has to do with parenthood and and wanting to um, realize that, like, not only am I not ready to go out to pasture, but like I want to plow the pasture down and make it into a new helicopter landing pad, you know. <laughs> I want to show I want to show my kiddo, you know, what it means to have a fire in your belly and to work for something, um, not just to arrive in this glorious gilded uh, world and, and think that suddenly everything's going to be handed to you. Um, nothing was ever handed to me. And, and certainly having a little bit of success and knowing what that feels like has only led me to understand that if you don't work for it, it, it will go away and that that success is just this really sad letter to your former self that sits on the wall and you stare at it and it just it's it's not cute it's kind of you know it reminds me of that that springsteen song glory days you know it's just like what what is that you know you used to be the popular kid in school Ugh, gross. <laughs> move on you know well, look, I've 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 always admired your work ethic. I love your joie de vivre. Um, you know, to watch you perform is a revelation. And I feel really grateful that you joined me for Wheels Off. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely, Rhett. It's so wonderful. I've always enjoyed you as well. From the first time I ever saw a poster of you sprawling across some beautiful velvet couch with a purple <laughs> velvet jacket on, I was like, what the hell is that person? I want to know that <laughs> So I'm happy to know you. I'm happy to have had a chance to speak with you today about we got deep quick. I really enjoyed that. I love it. Well, I hope our paths cross in real life soon and good luck with yeah. the new record. Congrats. You. Thanks, Rhett. Take care. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. 
That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Osiris. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! <laughs>